0: Hello. I'm M3 and this is my opinion for Tuesday, April 10th, 2018. Here today with a recap and reaction to Monday night Raw last night. The Raw of the year in in fact, we look forward to this each and every single year with Uh, The night after WrestleMania, the surprises that usually come, the uh, new superstars that will come from NXT superstars returning from either injury or not being part of the company for a little while. Now, first off, I want to apologize for not having a, a recap podcast of WrestleMania yesterday, just... A lot of things I had to take care of, whether it be taking my dog to the groomers or then going down to Cherry Hill to record our other podcast, Keeping It Sports with M3. But no, we'll try and get to a little bit of WrestleMania recap today through the Raw brand. And tomorrow we'll do the same when recapping SmackDown and recap some of their action uh, from Sunday night. (coughs) And where we're going to get started is uh, with... uh, what was probably the most hyped from a media standpoint match of WrestleMania, and that was when Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle defeated Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. It, everybody, you know, came away looking really good in that match. Kurt not missing a beat with the limited ring time he's had in the last couple of years. So, same with Triple H. And Stephanie and Ronda Rousey look fantastic, especially for Ronda, her first ever match. She's been training for months, and uh, you you saw that just the beginning of what's going to be a long-term rivalry between Stephanie and Ronda Rousey when uh, Ronda did serious damage to uh, Stephanie's arm, leading to uh, Stephanie coming out last night trying to... uh, Played the uh, the humble role, trying to make friends with Ronda, trying to say that uh, that they could make her a big star, make her her of uh, uh, the talk of WWE. Only when it looked like Ronda was gonna buy in for her to once again lock the armbar into Stephanie, and not only she locks it in on the injured arm, she rips the arm brace off. And the crowd just went nuts. I've I've felt this for a while, and I think this could be true again after what happened last night. Her father, Stephanie's father, when he came into prominence in the storyline in the late '90s, his uh, biggest issue was Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was the biggest pain in the ass he had to to deal with. And it led to one of the great rivalries in wrestling history. Even if they didn't face off in the ring as much other than, you know, that one cage match in 1999 at St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Vince was always trying to create problems for, for Stone Cold. And Stone Cold was always finding an answer for it and making the boss's life a living hell. And that's what I think uh, we could have here. Because Stephanie's never had that one woman wrestler that she had issue with. That she had to uh, deal with on a long term. You've had some short term rivalries here or there. But there hasn't been that one uh, big uh, long term uh, problem for her to deal with. And that's what Ronda could be for her. I I don't know if you're going to have much of of them competing against each other in the ring. But Stephanie's going to throw problem after problem in Ronda's way. And Ronda being the baddest chick on the planet. It, it, is going to find an answer to it each and every time. That they played this segment off so great. Because the crowd obviously hates Stephanie. Stephanie tried to you know, get Ronda to buy into what she was saying. But after that hug, you could tell Ronda wasn't buying it. She locked in the arm bar once again. And you know, the crowd was just loving that. And you know, how about the nerve they have JoJo get on the microphone as the medical staff is is uh, helping Stephanie out of the building and asking them, please show respect for Stephanie McMahon, please. Uh, I don't think there is anyone as hated when they come out to the ring and get on the microphone as Stephanie McMahon by the WWE crowd, I mean, her her father will say things to piss the audience off. But even he, when he comes out, he gets a standing ovation. The people, the people love him. They wait for him to say something stupid and for them them to boo him, like he did at Raw 25 with her. It's instant heat right away, and her character just comes off as unlikable, and with how popular Ronda is, it makes for the perfect rivalry in the future. One of the best overall moments from WrestleMania was when Nia Jax defeated Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship. It ended... Uh, or gave retaliation for Naya after months of abuse from Alexa, uh, verbal, verbally and emotionally, or making fun of uh, her, Naya's size. And even before that, Alexa was always bossing Nia around. Uh, essentially, using her as her her safety net, her her protection, her means to. Uh, keep her out of any troubling spots and finally Nia had enough of it and what what was amazing was other than when Alexa poked Nia in the eye during that match that you saw the true dominance of Nia Jax uh at at Wrestlemania first off she goes out of the ring before the match starts and just destroys Mickey James, whipped her into the barricade back and forth like she was a baseball bat. I'm surprised they didn't play off of that a little more on Monday night. Um, because Mickey just got annihilated by her, and then what Nia did to close out that match with the Samoan drop from the top rope. he had to uh, scrape Alexa off the mat with the with a spatula after that just to save her but no it comes off as a great story because Naya is different than your typical women's wrestler she she is you know a larger in in size woman than you typically see from women's wrestlers and hey that's okay because she's good at what she does and and also it it creates uh some a story for the fans to uh follow behind to lean on saying hey it, it's okay to be different it's okay to not be the same as others she can be almost a role model in uh that way so it, it brings about a great storyline to follow now now uh, of course with alexa bl- having a uh a rematch clause for the raw women's title she's going to continue to uh to chase after uh, uh, Nia to get that women's title. And before uh, Nia could e- even celebrate her her win uh, last night, Bliss and James interrupted her and, and uh, attempted to ruin her moment, only for Nia to help create another moment on Raw and reveal that she had a tag team partner to face them that night. Who would who would that tag team partner be? That that would be the former NXT women's champion Ember Moon, who made a raw debut and entered last night to a huge ovation from the raw crowd, which you know is the craziest crowd of the year being the, the night after WrestleMania. And it was no just an uh An absolute showing of domination by the team of Jax and Moon. Uh, Jax overpowering both of their uh, opponents and then Moon making the hot tag coming in and uh, even delivering the Eclipse to Alexa Bliss to uh, secure the win for her team and have a strong showing on her uh, first night uh, here on uh, Monday Night Raw. I do wish that they would have had a little bit more of a a celebration let jack speak before alexa bliss and mickey james uh, uh, interrupted her let her have her big moment uh, there to bask in the glory of wrestlemania but the overall the segment came across very well m- made uh Jax showed Jax's dominance as the new Women's Champion and had a great way to welcome Ember Moon to uh, the Monday Night Raw roster. One thing you know about the night after one of the big four pay-per-views, especially the night after WrestleMania, is there's bound to be debuts on the main roster. There's Bound to be new superstars showing up from NXT, ready to prove themselves, ready to show... uh, Raw or SmackDown, as be the case, uh, what they have, what uh, they bring to the table. And you saw that multiple occasions last night. We just got done talking about Ember uh, Moon made her debut teaming with Nia Jax last night. Well, the the fun didn't stop there. And the fun got even better when we saw that No Way Jose made his uh, Monday Night Raw Debut. He defeated some jobber that they pulled out of nowhere named John Skyler and beat him in relatively quick order with that signature wind up punch he does. But it, it brings a new fun character to uh, Monday Night Raw. A guy that is fun loving, likes the party, someone that gets the crowd amped up. You saw how. Uh, jacked up the crowd in new orleans was last night as soon as his music hit he came out everyone's dancing he let a congo line out to the ring that surrounded the ring uh for his match it kind of had the feel of when adam rose first made his debut in wwe and he remember he had the rose buds here and now this is something that I think can work out better on Monday Night Raw than it did in NXT. Not that the NXT crowd wasn't jacked up with uh, Noah H- Jose every time he appeared. I mean, there were times down there at Full Sail you saw fans in the in the crowd just randomly start a Congo line when he would come out and keep it going during his matches. But um, now you've got somebody here that the kids uh Will like a gimmick that will help with, uh with uh, young kids. We'll see. Oh, this guy is really cool. He's a uh, quality wrestler brings the uh, dance into the ring. Uh, ha- ha- is a fun loving guy, ha- having a good time. Uh, his charisma. You know, it jumps uh, through the screen. Um, so it's uh, a new fun character to have on the Monday Night Raw roster now with a fun ended was later in the night, Heath Slater and Rhino were a little bit annoyed due to the fact that uh, they weren't including included in the tag team title mix, which we'll get to that strange situation in a little bit. So they were looking to call out any team for an open challenge. And who was that team that decided to accept that open challenge? well that would be the former NXT tag team champions and arguably the most dominant team in NXT history the authors of pain and They came out uh and essentially fled the smack the former smackdown live tag team champions slater and rhino and, and tore through uh them you no know, knocking him right out to the floor in the early on, and just obliterated uh, Slater with their signature last rights uh, finisher win. Where it, it really uh, uh, got interesting was after the match. They're leaving. Uh, them and Paul Ellering are about to head out. Paul Ellering's pointing them out, and they stop and put their hand out to Paul. Oh, and walk away from him, essentially signifying that they're done with Paul Ellering as their manager. They're kicking the guy to the curb. And now that, that creates a, a, a another interesting wrinkle here on the roster because Ellering help, helped get them on the scene in NXT, but was also kind of like a handler for them, control, was able to control them. Now without Paul Ellering, these guys are going to be Out of control. You could see them have the same level of dominance and demolition over the Monday Night roster that the Bludgeon Brothers are currently having over over the SmackDown tag team roster. That is how lethal a tag team the Bludgeon Brothers can be if they are booked correctly by the writers. For weeks, we had wondered who Braun Strowman's tag team partner was going to be at WrestleMania when he faced the bar for the Raw Tag Team Championship. And he had been very coy about that each and every single week uh, leading up to WrestleMania. Well, as it turns out at WrestleMania, he showed up without a tag team partner because he was going to choose someone from the crowd. And what did he do? He went into the stands, walked around, until he found this young 10-year-old boy named Nicholas, pulled him from the stands, brought him to the ring with him, and they proceeded to compete for the Raw Tag Team Championship. Nicholas even tagged into the match at one point, avoided a, a, a move from Cesaro, and Braun came in, with the running power slam to win them the raw tag team championship, thus making Nicholas the youngest champion in the history of not just the WWE, but probably in all of professional wrestling. So one that shows me that WWE had no plan for as far as Braun Strowman's tag team partner, because you could have had brought in a legitimate superstar who was possibly coming back from an injury or whatnot to team with Braun Strowman. But instead, you decide to go this goofy route it, and it got over with the crowd. The, the funny thing, uh, the crowd was chanting for Nicholas. Nicholas was actually trending on Twitter after that. But you wonder, how long were they going to keep this up going? Well, it turns out that they kept it going for only one night. And... Last night, Braun, Strowman, and Nicholas showed up at Monday Night Raw and relinquished the tag team titles with their excuse being that Nicholas has a scheduling conflict to not be able to defend the titles. Thus ending one of the goofiest things we've ever seen at a WrestleMania. So that leaves the Raw tag team titles vacant. The bar assumed that they were just going to get the tag titles handed right back to them. Well, instead of that, Kurt Angle informed them that they'll get a rematch for the tag team titles two weeks from Friday when WWE holds their uh, event in Saudi Arabia known as the Greatest Royal Rumble, where seven championships from Raw and SmackDown will be defended. There will be a 50-man Royal Rumble match, and John Cena will face Triple H. We'll get more into that as we go on here today with this podcast, but it's an interesting concept, this show, and now you have something to build for with the, the Raw Tag Team title match, but they have to have an opponent. So Kurt Angle announced what he's calling the Tag Team Eliminator, two tag team matches on Raw last night, where the winners of those would move on to face next week, and the winner of that would face the bar in Saudi Arabia for the Raw Tag Team Championship. The first of those two tag eliminators was a continuation of a rivalry that's been going on for a couple of weeks now between the top guys, uh, The Revival... Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder going up against the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. And the crowd was was very much into this matchup because it, it, it didn't seem like there was a guy that they were booing at all here. Both uh, sides seemed to get uh, that babyface uh, reaction. I remember, Dawson and Wilder made their debuts on Monday Night Raw on um, this Raw this time last year, the night after, uh, WrestleMania, they, uh, even though the the Gallows and Anderson had sparked uh, a late comeback, especially when Anderson came in the ring uh, off the hot tag, Gallows was uh rendered com uh, a little bit out of this match due to dealing with uh some sort of a knee issue. For it. Uh, sometime in the match, but it it led to a revival victory after they were a- able to uh, hit their uh, finisher on Carl Anderson, uh, thanks to the numbers game eventually catching up to him. And then now they move on to Monday Night Raw next week, where before a commercial break, they showed that, all right, it was going to be Titus Worldwide, Titus O'Neal and Apollo going up against a mystery tag team as it well as it turns out that mystery tag team turned out to be the newly formed team between woken matt hardy and bray wyatt yeah that's right i said it woken matt hardy and bray wyatt bray wyatt who remember we have we had not seen since uh the uh, the great war between him and Matt Hardy at the Hardy Compound when uh, he uh, got thrown into uh, the lake and his and when uh, Senior Benjamin went to go fish him out he he didn't show up. The only thing they found the next day was his lantern uh, left there on the compound. But he reemerged at WrestleMania during the kickoff show and helped Matt Hardy win the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. So now, apparently, they are a tag team. Bray Wyatt has seen the light, has gotten rid of the, the past as far as uh, what Sister Abigail holds over him, and him and Matt Hardy have formed a tag team that now is maybe the the weirdest tag team combination we have ever seen Put together between these two, whether it be with Matt Hardy and his delete, or Bray Wyatt and 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 all the Fireflies and and how freaky and supernatural he is, this has just led to a perfect combination between these two, in which. Quite frankly, they freaked out on O'Neal and Apollo throughout the match. Even even at one point, they start clapping for Apollo, doing a backflip, saying, Wonderful! And it's led to a team that you know is going to be over with the crowd everywhere they go because of, of how weird and just flat-out insane those two are and how... Over the whole broken or woken, whichever you want to refer to it, gimmick has been. They pull off the victory over Titus Worldwide. And now they'll go face uh, the uh, revival next week on Monday Night Raw. And is is there really any doubt that they're going to be the team that goes faces the bar in Saudi Arabia? I mean, this just feels like it's meant to be. That it's meant to be that Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy are going to somehow be the Raw Tag Team Champions together. I don't think this is something... I've heard some people speculate maybe this is Bray Wyatt trying to uh, play mind games with Matt Hardy and and lock him into a false sense of security and, and then turn on him. I don't think so. I think this is something WWE's going to run with for a while and keep this tag team together and make them the Raw Tag Team Champions when we get to Saudi Arabia. Last night, the rivalry between Sasha Banks and Bayley was furthered with uh, even more tension and breaking down between the two of them. Remember, Bayley had eliminated Sasha Banks in the Women's Battle Royal at WrestleMania, thinking she won the Battle Royal only to not realize that Naomi hadn't been eliminated, uh, had fallen out of the ring under the ropes, came back in and eliminated Bailey to win the the battle royal. Last night, they uh, were both uh, looking to uh, move to the next step, move on from WrestleMania. And Sasha was attempting to begin her the next step in her career by facing uh, Mandy Rose of Absolution. For the match, Bailey came down, was very essential to be in Sasha's corner, even though Sasha didn't trust her being there, as Bailey hasn't trusted Sasha being there in uh, recent weeks. The, the match in, in itself, uh, the quality of the match was okay. The big moment, of course, was when uh, Mandy Rose had to, pushed Bailey outside the ring and Bailey attempted to fight back only for her to accidentally clothesline Sasha Banks leading to her costing Sasha the match for um against uh, Rose and uh, leading to even more issues that I think will eventually play out with these two facing at the next pay-per-view Backlash coming up on May the 6th because uh as of right now, none of the women's wrestlers from either brand are going to be part of the Saudi Arabia show for you no know, obvious reasons, due to you no know, laws for women being different uh, over there as they are compared to over here. But the story we're all talking about today, uh, after that match, is not what went down with Sasha and Bella. Yeah, that will continue to play out in the weeks to come. The story we're talking about is the heartbreaking moment that occurred after the match. The, the giant elephant in the room finally revealed itself. And that's with the fact that for, in recent months, Paige has not been wrestling any matches. She's only been in Absolution's Corner. She's been on pre-shows, uh, promoting them for matches at pay-per-views, whether it be the Elimination Chamber or the first ever Women's Royal Rumble. Uh, she was on commentary at WrestleMania for the women's battle royal, but she uh, finally revealed to the crowd what we've all uh, known for a while now, and that she's unable to compete anymore due to a re-aggravation of her neck injury. She remember she came back in November the night after Survivor Series. Told the world, I'm back. After being gone for about a year and a half. And just about a month later, she re-injured her neck. In fact, it happened, like, I think it was either the week of or the week after Stephanie announced the first ever Women's Royal Rumble. And because of that injury, she was excluded from it. But now we find out that not only was she... Is she not? Was she not able to compete in that or the women's elimination chamber? Her career as a wrestler is over. WWE will not clear her due to her injury, and she thusly must retire. So she stood there. Uh, eventually, uh, Mandy and Sonya left to let her have the moment in the ring by herself. She thanked everyone in the locker room for helping her. Or, helping her career, helping grow the women's division. Thanked her family, who we're going to learn a lot more about her family's story with the fact that there's a movie coming out soon that The Rocks production crew made on the story of Paige's life, her family in the wrestling business leading up to her debut in the WWE four years ago. Also thanked Daniel Bryan. Who gave her hope of an eventual return. Remember, no one ever thought Daniel Bryan would ever return to WWE as a wrestler. But he eventually got clearance. And that's what Paige is hoping for. She's hoping the fact that she's still very young. She's, what, 25, maybe 26 years old. She's hoping that in a couple of years, maybe... Her neck heals up enough that she can come back at least as a part-time wrestler, but who knows if that ever happens? She did reveal that she had a conversation with Edge earlier in the day. Who remember Edge had to retire early uh, earlier than he was hoping to due to some uh, neck injuries and. He has shown that there is a, a life outside of professional wrestling. He's since gotten married. He's since started the successful career as an actor. Has a, a successful podcast that you can you can find on uh the uh, iTunes or Apple Play Store uh, that he does with uh, his uh, real life best friend Christian every single uh week. So there is there is hope for her having a successful career at, after rest, after wrestling as heartbreaking as it is to see this and remember she made her debut on Monday Night Raw the night after Wrestlemania four years ago and that was also in New Orleans so this was kind of like coming full circle Well, it's unfortunate she had to retire it's I guess, I don't want to call it a positive because it sucks that her career is over. At least she got to say her goodbye where it all began. At least she got to, to uh, end it where it all began. And it stinks just because she, she came up with so much promise. She uh, was, as she's said before, and I don't think there's any argument, when she came up, that was really the beginning of the women's revolution remember at the time uh, aj lee had the longest women's title reign in the history of the company or as the longest diva's title reign as it was called back then in history you had the bella twins also as wrestlers Nat- natalia but naomi had not come into focus yet. A lot of the girls that you see from NXT had not come up and it began a change in what we thought women's wrestling was. It was no longer a gimmick and it was taken seriously. They became respected so much that within uh, uh, the next two years, they got rid of the Divas title and brought back the women's title. They were no longer known as Divas. They became superstars as well. So as a fan, I can say nothing but thank you to Paige for the the growth she helped create in what is women's wrestling. She is she is a pioneer in it. She uh, she deserves a lot of credit. It sucks that her time in WWE, as far as on the one of the two main shows in WWE, was cut so short. But she left a lasting impact that we're all not going to forget anytime soon. I'd be remiss if I went through this podcast and not acknowledge what was my favorite moment of WrestleMania. And that was the John Cena story at WrestleMania. First, it was an annoying as hell throughout WrestleMania, the fact that he was a fan in the stands. The, Throughout the pre show, whether it be the two Battle Royals or the Cruiserweight title match, every time there was a, a big move done, a high impact move, uh, an elimination in one of the Battle Royals, they flashed the camera on John Cena sitting in the front row, ooing and eyeing to it. He was sitting there in, in street clothes, in a WrestleMania t shirt, and in jeans, uh, acting, acting just and reacting just as the fans would do throughout the show. And they had him out there for the first two matches, the Intercontinental title match and the SmackDown Women's title match. Before, when Charlotte was leaving the ring after her surprising victory over Asuka at WrestleMania, all of a sudden you saw a referee come sprinting down to the ring, uh, run around, jump into the crowd, and go talk to Cena. And you can read his lips saying, he's here. He's here. And Cena's uh, like, nah, man, no." Nah. And then he, he's telling him, I'm not joking with you. And John's like, you serious? Cena then gets up, jumps over the barricade, and sprints around the ring and goes up the ramp. And as C- When Cena got up and ran the jump over the barricade, the crowd just lit up. Because they knew what was happening. We all knew what was happening. We knew what was going to happen. And an hour later, John Cena came out in his wrestling gear, ready for a fight. At first, another referee came out and told him, he's not here. This this isn't happening. And Cena was a little disappointed. And that led to Elias coming out, interrupting him, and... um, Wanting to hold his own one-man concert at WrestleMania, claiming he was the reason that it was a sellout, leading to Cena's frustration boiling over and eventually beating up Elias. Well, uh, John Cena goes to leave, walk away after um the the beatdown. His music's playing. He's halfway up the ramp, and his mu- his music stops, and the lights went out. He turns around, looks at the ring with a light beaming down on the center of the ring. And what does he see? The same sight that we all saw that ended WrestleMania last year. And that was The Undertaker's hat, gloves, and jacket laying in the middle of the ring. Only for them to then have lightning bolts come down, strike it, and leading to pitch darkness again and when the lights came back on all of that was gone from the ring and then we heard that oh so familiar gong hit and the superdome lit up leading to the smoke coming out the music playing and the dead man, the undertaker rose from the stage I thought he had retired this part of the gimmick. I thought he was going to come back as the American badass. But it was so good to see The Undertaker back once again. And he came to the ring, beat up Cena, gave up, gave Cena every uh, one of his signature moves. The the uh, old school, the Snake Eyes, Chokeslam, Tombstone, and beat him in less than three minutes. Three minutes. Even had Cena freaked out when he sat up while Cena was going for the uh, five-knuckle shuffle, beat him in three minutes, and once again proved that he's not done by a long stretch. And listen, th- this is a great gimmick to do now if they're going to do this with The Undertaker. Just have him show up at WrestleMania every year and beat someone down for about three minutes. W- walk off. That's a great segment to do. You can do that every year for as long as he wants to do it. As long as he—that's f- the important thing. As long as the Undertaker is healthy, feeling good, able to move around well, and he's into it, the the fa- the fans were okay with that. Seeing him once a year it makes it even special. It 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 brings a little nostalgia to WrestleMania because. There is no one, no one out there that signifies WrestleMania more so than does The Undertaker. It doesn't matter who you want to talk about. You want to talk about Hulk Hogan, you want to talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin, talk about John Cena, none of them, none of their WrestleMania legacies can match what The Undertaker's done. No one's going to match The Undertaker's win total at WrestleMania and no one's going Im- to match the impact he's made at WrestleMania with all the great classic moments and classic matches that he's left behind with it. After having his potential WrestleMania moment ruined on Sunday, you knew Elias wasn't going to be in the most cheerful of moods on Monday night after not winning the Andre Giant Battle Royal and then getting beat up by john cena prior to his uh impromptu match with the undertaker elias was going to want to have his moment in new orleans was going to greet the audience with another guitar, with another guitar solo another um um musical uh uh moment and he came out was uh, stringing uh, uh, the c- guitar was uh, uh, singing, uh, ripping the audience, even though the crowd was uh, cheering him and uh, really hyped up to play it, only to once again experience what the night after WrestleMania is all about. Surprises, those memorable moments and memorable returns. And we got another one of those with the surprise surprise, of the return of Bobby Lashley to the WWE. You you knew after he left Impact Wrestling uh, a couple of months back that there was a chance at uh, Bobby Lashley coming back to WWE, how the rumors were that he was in all likelihood going to come back. You just didn't know when it was going to happen. You didn't know... When the timing was going to be and which brand he was going to be returning to, and he made and signified his intentions clear when he came back last night, interrupted uh, Elias, and kicked his ass. It it was essentially the the uh, the old stone cold mantra: arrive, raise hell, and leave. By Hitting a couple of big moves on Elias, getting a huge reaction by the crowd, and then walking off, uh, showing his dominance. And it was a great way to kickstart Lashley's return to WWE. And it's as a fan, what you want to see from Bobby Lashley, you know, he he's not uh, the biggest talker in wrestling. Well, we've seen when he was Impact Wrestling, he's okay on the mic. What you want to see is him being that ass-kicking machine. That's why he was uh, referred to in Impact Wrestling as Walking Armageddon. And w- when he entered the ring... Everything was done and over with and no one stood a chance against him. And th- that's what you're hoping for now in his return, in his second run in WWE. It's going be, gonna to be interesting to see where he goes from here. Does he start a storyline uh, rivalry here with Elias or is this just... Just a beginning for Lashley, and he's going to, over this next several weeks, continue to show his dominance over a different superstar each and every single week. Now, while we are talking about Monday Night Raw here, one of my favorite moments from WrestleMania was, of course, the return to the ring after three years of Daniel Bryan, his first match since April of 2015, before he had to, at the time, retire due to uh, a concussion, that he eventually overcame and was cleared to return to the ring. He teamed with Shane McMahon to go against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, who were fighting to get their jobs back, only to uh, fail in their attempt, even though they jumped uh, Brian and McMahon before the match, they failed to get their jobs uh, back on SmackDown Live. So, what did they do? They showed up on Raw last night begging Kurt Angle for a job, begging for an opportunity. And you now, both uh, segments that they were part of came off hysterically, whether it be when they first uh, confronted Kurt uh, uh, Cardangle backstage, or when they uh, uh, were out at the ring, that they uh, go to Cardangle and and talk about the problems they had on SmackDown Live. Told them uh, uh, about uh, the problems they had with management. Uh, uh, th- that was the reason why they did uh, what they did, and Kurt Angle informed them that. His tag team division was full. And that this was the the LOL moment of the night. He told him the tag team division is full. But he heard that TNA was hiring. (laughs) That is the first time that WWE has ever acknowledged that organization on their program. Now... They're no longer known as TNA. They've been known as Impact Wrestling for several years now. And the Impact Wrestling uh, Twitter account a couple minutes later had even said that with the hashtag of we Are Impact Wrestling." But the fact that they, they chose to take that sh- moment, to take a shot at them, was hysterical. Especially because you had Kurt Angle do it. Because he worked there for nine years. He was part of... Of that company there for so long. And he he's the first one to, to take the shot at them. Just saw uh, what was the LOL moment of the night. But he informed them that he had one spot open on the, the roster for singles competitors. And th- that's when you saw you finally saw Kevin and Sammy turn on each other. You finally, because Kevin, uh, started, well, you don't have to hire us as a tag team. Uh, well, I, I got a family. Unlike Sammy, I got a family to feed. I got, uh, kids. Uh, and then, and then, uh, Sammy starts, uh, f- uh, firing, uh, back at him. Yeah. You, you see that, how they will forever just be frenemies. I mean, they, they came into the company friends, turned to enemies, became friends again. And now at that moment where it was to benefit one of them, they showed their cutthroatness and turned on each other. So Kurt put them in a match where, if, uh, the, where the winner would gain a contract on Monday Night Raw. And there were moments where each uh, uh, one of them uh, uh, looked to have control of the match. be Sammy hitting the halluva kick, Kevin Owens landing the frog's best health. Sammy hits the halluva kick and Kevin uh, falls into the ropes. He's not able to pin him. Kevin hits uh, Sammy with the pop-up powerbomb and Kevin falls out of the ring. Sammy hits Kevin with a halluva kick at the top rope. And Leading to then Kevin hitting that fisherman suplex at, off the top. And in the end, both of them wore out each other so much. Guys are so exhausted that neither one was able to respond to the referee's 10 count. The match ends as a draw and they were both denied uh, a job on Monday Night Raw. So now where does this lead them? Now where did they go? Because are they going to try and crawl, go crawling with their tags? Tails back between the legs back to SmackDown and get a job from Shane McMahon or whoever the next GM of SmackDown is going to be. Because you know, it's, whether it's this week or next week, Daniel Bryan's going to have to step down as SmackDown GM if he's going to be a full time competitor again. Hey, and you know they're going to at some point bring Sammy and Kevin back in the fold here in the storyline in one of these two shows. It's just a matter of where and when. And it adds to the intrigue a little bit of what their, where their future lies because next week is the second annual Superstar Shake-Up where... Superstars from SmackDown will be traded to Raw. Superstars from Raw will be traded to SmackDown. We won't know in advance who's coming and who's going to the show. We're just going to have to tune in, uh, wait for it, and watch. And be surprised on who's coming to one of those uh, two brands. But Sammy and Kevin are... Now, we got to watch it out, see where they're going to end up, whether they decide to start interfering in the shows until one of the GMs hires them. Uh, and what kind of throat cutthroat uh, tactics do they decide to do in order to get employment back on one of the two brands? The chance of you deserved it. Uh, filled the Smoothie King Arena l- last night on multiple occasions. Uh, one when uh, Stephanie McMahon showed up in a sling and she was talking about her arm injury at WrestleMania. But even more so when Seth Rollins appeared as your new Intercontinental Champion, finally joining his Shield brothers, Dean Ambrose and and Roman Reigns. As a member of the Grand Slam Club, winning the WWE title, the US title, a tag team championship, and now the one of the crown jewels in all of professional wrestling history, the Intercontinental Championship. In a match that got WrestleMania off to a hot start with each of the guys uh, having their moments, each of them hitting their finish The signature moves at certain points. And Seth even with the back-to-back curb stomps when he curb stomped uh, Finn Balor onto The Miz and then curb stomped Miz to win his first Intercontinental Championship. He came out last night to celebrate it, uh, uh, draw the uh, adulation from the crowd Only to uh, be interrupted and confronted by a couple of uh, visitors. First by Finn Balor who uh, congratulated Seth but reminded him that Seth didn't pin him in their match at WrestleMania. And said that he wanted to be the first one to challenge him for the title. Remember these two guys over the last month, month and a half, each have a pinfall victory over the other that they you know want to have that tie-breaking decision between the two of them and have a rematch of what was a classic match between the two at SummerSlam in 2016 but of course the a-lister the Miz was not going to have that he and the Miz Tourage came out and interrupted you know I give credit to them for having The Miz uh, send The Miz to back to the locker room uh, prior to the match at Wrestlemania because it allowed the, the match to be just that much better and no had no interruption, had nobody interfering, trying to uh, steal the moment from uh, these uh, three superstars and, and uh, led to just uh, no, a great match to start off WrestleMania. No interference, just three guys trying to prove they're the top guy um, in this match, trying competing for the one of the greatest crowns in all of professional wrestling, the Intercontinental Championship. Miz being the former Intercontinental champion, he uh, wanted his rematch, and and Seth was willing to give it to him, and said he. Uh, Wanted to uh, have the rematch right now after uh the Miz was uh, sitting there, uh, complaining about how the victory made his wife Maurice and his new baby girl Monroe Sky cry, and even uh, made the Miz cry, which you know drew a big reaction from the crowd because the crowd hates Miz. Miz is Miz, as much as I can't stand him. He's the most over heel at. In the business right now. As far as the men's side. I would say the women's side. It's Stephanie McMahon. But as far as the men go. It's definitely The Miz. As far as who's the most hated. Who draws the biggest reaction of hate and anger. From uh, the WWE universe. So Seth wanted to have uh, the re- the rematch right then and there. But Miz said nah. I'm going to wait. I'm going to invoke my rematch at backlash, which and uh, almost led to a brawl between the two sides, it looked like it was going to be a uh, a uh, numbers advantage for the Miz and the Miztras until we had another moment, another Raw After Mania moment, when for the first time in eight months, Jeff Hardy appeared on wwe television remember back in september he got that rotator cuff injury and has been out recovering from the surgery ever since and he made his return to even the odds the crowd was just lit as they were with every surprise uh we saw last night and uh even the odds bet- between uh, the uh, Miz, Taraj and Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, leading to a six-man tag match later in the night, it, in which leading up to the six-man tag, we saw a a uh, interesting segment. The th- you see Jeff, uh, Finn, and Seth heading to the ring, and Jeff stops, looks to his right, and sees Matt Hardy there. And Matt, in his wokenness is is talking to his brother uh saying, "Oh wonderful brother you you're here and then uh in uh introduces him to bray Wyatt and bray Wyatt ref- hugs Jeff and refers to him as brother Nero and they're they're all talking in you know the broken tone they're all talking um well, uh, playing off of the broken storyline. And Jeff asks, Bray, how you doing? Oh, he he, he says the whole wonderful thing as well. They walk off. Jeff goes to walk back to his teammates for the night. And Seth and Finn are just looking at him like, what the hell was that? Just the look on their face was hysterical. It, it led to a, a really co- comedic scene. and It's going to be fun to see, is Jeff going to get back involved in the whole Woken saga with Matt? Or could he be separating himself from that? And possibly could you see an even further separation with the, the superstar shakeup Coming up next week, I mean, the we're going to see some unexpected changes in the Raw roster, in the SmackDown roster. So it's going to be fun to see where some of these guys wound up. But the they had a uh, six-man tag later in the night between the two sides. It was Miz and the Miz going up against Jeff Hardy, Finn Balor, and Seth Rollins, and. The, the six-man uh, uh, tag match, no, it, it did a couple of things here. Uh, one, it continued to build on Miz, the biggest heel in the business, and and how he he always has a numbers advantage on his side. Two, uh, it they dominated Finn Balor for most of the match and were able to keep Seth and Jeff out of it. Only for, you no, know, when you knew that moment when he would make the tag for one of them in, create that hot reaction amongst the crowd and uh, the, and have uh, a uh, big momentum swing for them. Uh, in the match especially when Jeff Hardy made his first appearance in a WWE ring in months and now th- this being Jeff's first match in months great way to uh break him back in having him be in a six man tag match to break off some of that ring rust able to hit all of his moves so whether it be Whisper in the Wind, Poetry in Motion and then even the Swanton Bomb without even having to uh, look like he showed any ring rust, showing that there was uh, not much uh, uh, catching up speed for Jeff Hardy to have to do. So it, he he looked great. The, his team pulled off the victory, and uh, you uh, furthered the storyline that's going to continue to build over the next month as we get toward backlash between... Seth Rollins and The Miz leading up to their rematch for the title with uh, Seth Rollins hitting The Miz with the curb snob for the victory. You know what would be interesting though? How, how about if The Miz got drafted back to SmackDown and he was to reignite the rivalry between him and Daniel Bryan? Because you know that's going to continue at some point. Remember the confrontation they had at Raw 25 when Daniel Bryan was getting adulation by the crowd and only for The Miz to interrupt that. And now with Daniel cleared to compete, The Miz has stolen a lot of Daniel Bryan's moves over the last two years. So the we could see The Miz versus Daniel Bryan once again a match we never thought we'd see. But... uh. This superstar shakeup coming up next week, it's gonna change a lot of things. I when I look at this what's going on right now between the Miz and Seth Rollins, I'm finding it a hard time to believe that both of these guys will still be on the raw roster when that match happens at Backlash. Due to the fact that this is a, a dual brand pay-per-view, we're back to every one of the pay-per-views being under that format. I really do believe. That this is going to be a situation where it's going to be Raw versus SmackDown in that match to decide who gets control of the prestigious Intercontinental Championship. In in the most likely circumstance, I think it's going to be Seth still on Raw, with the Miz on SmackDown. The Miz, uh, trying to bring the title to the bull brand while Seth trying to defend the honor of what he calls Monday Night Rawlings. <laughs> We're going to close out today with talking about the WrestleMania main event and the repercussions that had on the future coming up here in WWE. I was surprised that Roman Reigns lost the main event to Brock Lesnar. I thought it was going to be Roman Reigns' time to become the Universal Champion, to have that victory over Brock Lesnar, especially with the rumors that had been coming out about Brock wanting to go back to the UFC. Uh, the fact that Dana White was on UFC tonight last week and said that Brock will be back in UFC at some point. He doesn't know when, but he, it is coming up. And the, the fact that Brock Lesnar's contract was set to come up uh, at uh, the uh, end of WrestleMania, figured, all right, Brock's going to drop the title and leave the WWE. So I, I was just left there stunned and surprised that they had him win that match. A match, let's face it, it was awful. That, that match, it didn't have the attention of the fans. You had the fans chanting at one point, boring, this is awful. It, in fact, it even got to the point where they were booing both guys. It felt a lot like that Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg match at uh, WrestleMania. Uh, what? 15 years ago or, or how many years ago it was that ended uh, Goldberg and Lesnar's first runs in WWE. And it didn't complete the uh, the task that WWE was helping to do, which was build up Roman as their top guy. All, all you had it do was uh, Brock uh, uh, look dominant over Roman. At, at one point, he got speared across the announce table, and then even uh, bloodied uh, Roman Reigns up when he took the gloves off and started giving him some stiff forearm shots. And, you know, just left us with a, like, kind of a weird ending to WrestleMania. But now it all makes a little bit more sense when yesterday at 5 o'clock, it was announced that Brock Lesnar has signed an extension with the WWE and we'll have a rematch with Roman Reigns at the, uh, the Greatest Royal Rumble event taking place in Saudi Arabia on April the 27th, a noontime start due to the time difference there. The event will be held live on the WWE Network, and the match will take place between these two for the Universal title inside a steel cage i'm guessing they're going to play off of brock lesnar's background as an mma fighter in this but i've got to say that this is a now or never situation here they've provided for us with roman reigns if he doesn't beat, if they don't have him beat brock lesnar at the greatest royal rumble become the universal champion then what you've done with him over the last year feels like a total waste. We've known for a couple of years now they've been trying to build him up as the top guy and w- w- he didn't w- win against Brock three years ago at WrestleMania due to interference by Seth Rollins and him cashing in his Money in the brief Bank briefcase. Then you have him win the title the next year from Triple H at WrestleMania only for him to drop it to Seth Rollins uh, who was then later cashed in on by uh, Dean Ambrose, he had the whole suspension thing where he was suspended a month for failing uh, a, a wellness test. He goes beats the Undertaker last year to re-legitimize his character, making it look like he had forced the Undertaker into retirement. Has goes through the whole uh, saga with Braun Strowman last year, uh, e- even leading to him crushing him in an ambulance. Beats Cena back in the fall, reunites with the Shield to win the Intercontinental Title, wins the Elimination Chamber match after Braun Strowman had dominated it, um, to get the right to face Lesnar again at WrestleMania, only to lose to him. If you don't have him beat Brock Lesnar at the at uh, the Greatest Rumble uh, in a couple of weeks. And this all feels like a waste of time, and you will never be able to sell it to your fans that he's the top guy. Hell, you have a hard time doing it already. The fans don't want to be told, all right, this is who our top guy is. The fans want to decide it for themselves. They want to be like, all right, wait a minute. This is the guy we want to cheer. That This is the guy that we love. We don't want you telling us who we want to cheer, who we want to view as the most popular guy around here. It's the same reason why a lot of the adult males boo and chant, you suck at John Cena, because... It was always forced upon them, and now it feels like it's being forced upon us again with Roman Reigns, especially with the way his his, uh, character is. Now, they've tried to change his character up a little bit over the last month and a half to two months where he's, like, standing up for the company, uh, bringing up how Brock Lesnar's a part-timer and how he's only in this for the money. Well, Roman's here each and every single week, not... uh, uh, asking for special privileges, and wants to stand up for the company against a guy who doesn't, in his mind, really care about the business, is only in it for the paycheck, while Roman does it because he loves it, so maybe they're hoping that you have this match in Saudi Arabia, you have him win the title in Saudi Arabia, it will help create a better reaction for him, because the crowd will be cheering him that night, but... It's a now or never situation here. And if he he doesn't win, if they don't have him win in two weeks, it feels like just a total waste of our time and waste of the last couple of years when it comes to Roman Reigns. And when they say Brock Lesnar signed an extension, I don't believe that it was a multi-year deal. I think this was probably... Just add an extra month on to his contract. This is one of those situations where Brock's going to go to Saudi Arabia, put over Roman Reigns, drop the title, and then leave WWE and go back to doing what he wants to do, and that's being a mixed martial arts fighter. Go back to uh, the UFC, deal with his six-month suspension, and then get back in the fighting game later this year, early next year. But well, the the, quest, the what the weird thing is, is this event is so close to WWE's next pay per view, it it takes place on April the twenty seventh. That's nine days before WWE will have backlash here in New Jersey at the Prudential Center on May sixth. So you're gonna have a hard time like building up storylines as we head into it. Maybe you have some. Some people like pissed off about who eliminated them in the greatest Royal Rumble. You know that there's been an Intercontinental title match already announced for the event where Seth Rollins will defend it against Finn Balor, The Miz, and now Samoa Joe, who made his return to Monday Night Raw last night in a a Fatal 4-Way ladder match. And when it comes to Samoa Joe, I think we can see where things are heading now because he came out last night and uh, made a target out of Roman Reigns. Roman came out, was all talking about uh, his uh, steel cage match in which that he only found out via the internet and came off as pissed off that Brock once again was not on Monday Night Raw, but vowed that he would... uh, win the Universal Championship from Brock on that night. Only for Joe to come out, confront him, bring up and um, poke fun at uh, Reigns, the fact that he kept being a failure against Brock Lesnar and warning him that after he was done with Lesnar uh, in Saudi Arabia that Joe was going to put him to sleep at Backlash. So... I think we could see where this is going uh, th- uh, from a mile away. Roman Reigns is going to win the Universal Championship from Brock Lesnar at the Saudi Arabia event uh, on April 27th. But nine days later, his first challenge is going to be having to deal with the Samoan submission machine, Samoa Joe. Joe's coming back on uh, a mission looking to not just take out Roman Reigns, but if the cards uh, play out like I think they should, he's going to look to take that universal championship away from Roman Reigns and show that he is the most dominant Samoan wrestler and maybe in his mind the most dominant superstar in not just Monday Night Raw, but in all of WWE. Well, that was our recap of Monday Night Raw for this week. Tomorrow we'll do a recap of uh, Tuesday Night's uh, SmackDown Live, and along with that, do you know some re- some recapping of some of the things that happened with the SmackDown Superstars uh, at WrestleMania, as well as we'll I'm sure we'll get some news about SmackDown as they head toward. The Saudi Arabia event, uh, the greatest Royal Rumble, in a couple of weeks because their titles are going to be on the line there as well. The WWE title, the US title, and the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships. As well, as you know, several of their superstars are going to be involved, of, of course, in this greatest Royal Rumble Event. Uh, they're calling it the greatest uh, rumble ever with uh, 50 superstars. Going to be fun to see how that plays out. Going to be fun to see how the next week plays out here with the superstar shakeup coming up uh, next Monday. So until then, I'm M3 and this is my opinion for April 10th, 2018. Everybody have a great day and I'll talk to you again very soon. Peace.